Asbo International would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Security Benefit. Security Benefit is a proud ASBO strategic partner that has offered retirement plans to education professionals for over 50 years. Security Benefit works with school districts across the U.S., helping America's educators move toward their goal of financial security and the enjoyable life they deserve in retirement. To learn how simple it is to add Security Benefit to your district's benefit plan, visit securitybenefit.com ASBO. That's securitybenefit.com ASBO. Neither Security Benefit Corporation or its affiliates are fiduciaries. This information is general in nature and intended for use with the general public. For additional information, including any specific advice or recommendations, please visit with your financial professional. Services are offered through Security Distributors, a subsidiary of Security Benefit Corporation. Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. And today we will be checking your pulse <laughs> because uh, <laughs> this episode, I got to tell you, uh, you know, a lot of times I ran and read about the episode prior to coming on, but uh, this one, I mean, you know, what I could just say, John, before we get into it, is that for the most part, there's so much every time we do a podcast that we learn from. And this is just, this doesn't disappoint um, what could be a useful tool for many of our colleagues in, in understanding tech. So if you don't, you know, mind going to what we have today. Yeah, I mean, I think this conversation probably could have gone on for another hour. So we were really getting have, into the weeds easily. a little bit. Uh, but yeah. today we had two members of the Consortium of School Networking, or COSIN, and is often referred to throughout the interview. We have Keith Kruger, he's the CEO, and we have Pete Just, he's the immediate past chair. And both of them offer their take on what's kind of the hot button issues in educational technology right now. Of course, we had to talk about AI a little bit at the end, but they both give us an insight into the importance of really staffing your technology department appropriately, the integration mm -hmm. with the business office, and just, you know, having tech have a seat at the cabinet level table to really offer their insight and yeah. look at the future of where, of where educational technology is going. So uh, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Keith and Pete. Today on the podcast, we have Keith Kruger. Keith is the CEO of the Consortium of School Network and Pete Just, immediate past chair of the Consortium of School Networking. Keith and Pete, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thanks so much, Jack. Hey. Hi, Keith and Pete. Nice uh, to meet this you, is so Jack. great. Uh, you know, so if you hadn't heard about our podcast, um, we have so many different folks on. So we're, we're excited you to be on as well uh, because you both represent for us at tech, right? And technology that deals with schools. And, uh, you know, that's such a very big part of, of the overall landscape of schools. And what we do as a school business officials, it definitely, you know, highly integrates to our functions. So, um, you know, if anybody else that comes on here, we always like to get a sense of who you are. Um, so, you know, we know for folks that don't know, but we know the Consortium for School Networking or COSN as you call it, represents about 13 million, over, over 13 million students, really. And it's really the leading association for school system tech leaders. Um, maybe if you could just start by just telling us, you know, about your backgrounds and experiences and maybe describe what your role is with um, COSN. Sure. Well, uh, thank you. And uh, it's great to partner with uh, 
the school business officials and ASBO at the national level. And um, we've been around for 30 years. So we're the new kid on the block compared to ASBO, <laughs> which has been around a lot longer than that. And um, I've been uh, had the honor of uh, running COSIN for nearly all 30 of its years. Uh, I like to say that I'm neither a technologist nor an educator. My background came in building coalitions and policies, but uh, I've been doing it a long enough time wow. that uh, I have uh, some sense of kind of what the priorities are of, of uh, leaders in school districts that, that uh, lead technology. And Certainly. actually, we think that um, the business officials are a uh, model for what we uh, should think. We see that technology is a strategic asset just like uh, money is. And just like 40 mm -hmm. or 50 years ago, you know, every school district had a bookkeeper or an accountant. Uh, but eventually they saw there was, it was a, a chief financial officer or strategic position mm -hmm. that was needed. And, and we see that technology is the same. And we, that's been oh, our yeah. mission for the last 20 years is to help yeah. superintendents, school boards understand the strategic aspect of technology. And it's not just the wires and boxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, nor is it simply uh, a tech coach. It's uh, right. yeah, you gotta have at, a tech director. Yeah, sitting sitting at the cabinet and uh, uh, really thinking horizontally. So uh, you know, a lot of uh, superintendents will say, "Are you the instructional tech uh, director, or the are you the the sure. uh, administrative?" And we like to say, uh, "Yes, and we're at both." Right. And we really need to <laughs> be like at the horizontal level, uh, thinking across everything. And as you know, awesome. and in systems, uh, everything now runs on the network. Hi, I'm Pete Just. I'm a lifelong educator um, and uh, started in the classroom teaching science. I transitioned into the role of a technology coordinator, then uh, eventually a chief technology officer. And along the way, did a lot of renovations. I was a part of that team and became chief operations officer uh, for uh, the latter part of my career. Um, and just left that um, a year ago and am now the um, I've also been on the COSIN board for nine years and was chair and um, have been a part of IASBO as, in, in, here in Indiana, as well as starting the COSIN chapter and am now COSIN chapter executive director. Awesome. Well, thank you Thanks. both for joining us today. So you, you made an interesting point about just kind of what you're doing to help superintendents and school districts with their technology. Are you finding that school districts are making a larger investment in technology staff? I know districts across the world are making large investments in the tech itself, like you said, the wires and the boxes. But is there a shift in your, in your estimation where there's more on the personnel side for that tech leadership? I think that's the biggest challenge that school districts have. They underinvest in the human capacity and they have majorly invested, especially during the pandemic, in uh, stuff, in uh, right. more devices, more solutions, and not more people. Um, that said, we are seeing, you know, if you look, take a long view, we are seeing more and more of our audience getting the titles of chief technology offers and more and more are becoming nationally certified, and more and more are sitting at the cabinet level. But um, you have hit it on the, the, head of, uh, hit it on the nail. Uh, the biggest problem is uh, the lack of human capacity. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you can have all the stuff and all the gadgets in the world, but if you don't have the right yeah. 
people to manage it, then it's really just paperweights Jesus. at that point. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Paperweights. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, focusing more on coast and the organization, one of your biggest initiatives in the organization is driving K-12 innovation, which is quoted on your site and a, and a main piece of, of who you guys are. Um, could you speak to what that is and what it means to you? Yeah. Uh, we, this project started about uh, 15 years ago and on an annual basis, we try to identify the key trends that education leaders uh, really, and, and teachers and, and uh, the whole school system should be thinking about. Uh, it actually started by a higher ed association called New Media Consortium, and we were the partner for a K-12 version. Um, they did the Horizon Report, for which Educause continues to do in the higher ed space. About 10 years ago, we took it over, rebranded it as Driving K-12 Innovation, and um, it's, we have about 100 uh, advisors around the world, so it's not just wow. a U.S. thing. Uh, ASBO mm. is a partner on this uh, initiative, along with lots of other teacher unions, school boards, and uh, ministries of right. education around the world. And the idea is um, it's kind of uh, uh, interesting uh, for being uh, something that's predictive of technology – it actually starts, first of all, with what are the hurdles that we're trying to overcome? And I think that's the why, you know. And we identify these 100 experts uh, go through a process. It's kind of like Survivor Island. They argue over things and then they vote <laughs> uh, topics off. And ultimately, they get to three hurdles that you're trying to solve today. So, you know, it might be something like digital equity or uh, actually, the shortage of teachers and the shortage of, of IT people was one this year that we've seen since the pandemic. The second bucket uh, looks at accelerators, and that is the context of what's changing in the world that uh, affects the way that we think about teaching and learning. And so, uh, for instance, during the pandemic and every year you know, of the last three or four years, social emotional well-being has been uh, on that list. Um, probably okay. prior to that, at least in the ed tech area, we didn't talk much about that. But you can't get to learning if students and teachers and parents aren't aren't well. I mean, and only right. the third uh, and last do we talk about the technology. We call it tech enablers. So this year, mm. ironically, uh, you know, uh, it was the only the first year that our experts thought that artificial intelligence was the most important thing to be uh, focused focused on. <laughs> I feel like uh, everybody thinks it's yeah. the most important thing. <laughs> it's the first year. <laughs> well, it is because um, you know, and this was done last fall before ChatGPT. So right. Uh, okay, got it. Oh, so it's a little bit ahead of the curve. The <laughs> they were a little curve. bit a, a little bit ahead. So you yeah. know, there. Uh, but there are lots of other. Uh, other things, including uh, the, mm-hmm. we've seen uh, uh, kind of the connectivity being wireless and, and available everywhere. Anyway, so Keith, you you'd mentioned a couple times the partnership between Cosin and Asbo. Can you speak to that partnership and how that kind of works? Cosin's really excited uh, to continue and have for many years worked with Asbo. Uh, dating back twenty years ago, we had a major initiative to help school leaders think about the total cost of ownership of technology, uh, which uh, we built on that to look not only at cost, but also value of investment. 
what in the private sector would be looked at as ROI. But uh, in education, we are more interested in what the value to teaching and learning is. So that started our partnership. And in fact, um, just uh, in 2020, we put out a joint uh, toolkit, uh, which is how the school business official and the chief technology officer can work together in a way to you know, powerfully transform uh, uh, the education system. And certainly there are uh, absolutely curriculum focused, but there's also that how do we think about the operations? How do we, uh, you know, <laughs> everything runs on the network, as I said. So that's uh, sure. the key right. to that. And are you looking at and educating on like replacement cycles and things like that? Because I, I think about the large influx of federal funding that many districts have gotten in the United States, but that's a one-time revenue. A lot of that was used for technology, but when you think about five, 10 years down the road, those devices and those network equipment devices are going to have to be replaced. Are you kind of educating on how to approach that as well? We are. And I think that uh, our, our longstanding work on total cost of ownership, we, you wouldn't buy a bus if you didn't uh, plan for uh, repairing it for paying for a driver for uh, paying right. for gas for having insurance and unfortunately technology is often thought of as a one time and of course we did have a uh, one time uh, emergency uh, funds for devices in a lot of school districts that were not one to one prior to the pandemic have a huge financial challenge uh, coming up this next year or so where the financial sustainability is, is enormous. Yeah. And so uh, we need business officials and school boards and superintendents to step back and say, have we really changed the way that we're doing learning, which I think and hopefully we are and getting better right. at that, then we can't just uh, have this as a one-time shot. We have to budget appropriately for that. I'll just jump in and say, uh, just in the last week, um, I have had uh, an interview with Chalkbeat here in Indiana um, about the very topic, uh, because schools are actually, you, you said five to 10 years. The reality is the student devices are Chromebooks or iPads, which last maybe four years. Um, mm. And so uh, we literally are at the point right now where people are having to purchase devices for this next year because we're hitting that mark. Um, and uh, the other thing I heard this week, uh, I, I was talking to a CTO who just announced that he's leaving because his superintendent in the cabinet meeting said the time of, of having up-to-date technology has ended. Uh, we no longer can afford that. And I thought that was an wow. interesting statement because obviously- they said that? Wow. He said that in cabinet. <laughs> wow. And so, yeah, within two weeks, that CTO decided to leave. Um, so I, I think we are at a, we are in an inflection point right now uh, with the funding cliff mm -hmm. of ESSER and honestly just people not planning well, just to be frank, um, for that inevitability and assuming that those dollars uh, would take care of it for a while. Um, and obviously they did, but that while is ending. So I think this mm -hmm. next year, uh, year and a half, uh, we're definitely going to be seeing some of these tensions um, come to the fore. Yeah, that sustainability is a huge concern because everybody had an opportunity to get up to date, and I'm air quoting, uh, get up to date with their technology. But 
I'm assuming many districts didn't have that on their balance sheet to begin with and weren't planning on that after this influx of cash. So now it's almost as if many districts are now painted into a corner in terms of what they can do to keep the expectations the same with technology and keep the expectations with learning the same with the use of technology by having to purchase all these new devices again, because, you know, four years is not a long time that that's like a blink no. of an eye. So not being able to replace those, those computers and those Chromebooks is going to be a huge problem. I'm sure pretty soon uh, now that we're nearing and have reached the end of, of that federal funding. It isn't only the device, but also, you know, there were hotspots and connectivity and um, a lot of that funding that's dedicated to education is also uh, coming to an end, perhaps, and uh, yeah. uh, so that's a challenge. And and one of the new things that we're thinking about is not only financial sustainability, but environmental sustainability. That hasn't been a very big issue in K twelve, um, but uh, you know there are certain things like certain providers are putting a termination date that you can't update the operating system, and it's just automatically a useless. De- device yeah. at that point. Or um, one of the things we think will be of great interest, not only to the technology folks, but particularly the business officials, is uh, the electrical use. Uh, there could be enormous savings, uh, especially as you can imagine with every student having devices on the school. It's, an, it's a growing cost. And so right. looking at uh, how uh, energy efficient that that uh, devices are is also a new area that we need to work with the school business officials on. And hopefully the monies that are saved over on the business side can help support some of the technology side. Of it. Yeah. And I don't want to belabor this too much longer, but the other piece that I don't think we talk often enough about is the infrastructure. Because I remember in a, a former life when I was a tech director, I was coming to my superintendent in my cabinet with multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars in requests of switch gear and wireless and everything like that. But that's not like the sexy stuff that everybody gets to see and to use in the classroom. But without that, the iPads, the Chromebooks, the MacBooks are useless and have no connectivity. So being able to appropriately articulate that to your board and your community, I think is really important because without those things in the background that have a pretty hefty price tag, the devices are useless, right? Right. And I would say, uh, I would agree with exactly what you said there, John. And I would say that what Keith said earlier is what's important and is not being um, acknowledged, I think, is has education changed? Are these devices the way that students now are learning and receiving information? Um, And if that's true, then, you know, budgets should change accordingly. I mean, I was also operations officer, so I know that when we needed to replace HVAC systems or if we needed to expand a school because we were having growth, you know, we budgeted accordingly. And if we couldn't get it out of our CPF, we went out to bond, right? So there has to be a way. Right. You you have to find Mm -hmm. ways to fund the way you're going to, you know, run your school district. And if tech is a part of that, you of course, have to honor that with a line item <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or at least absolutely. Some sort of continuing uh, funding. And now a quick break for today's sponsor. 
We'd like to once again thank today's podcast sponsor, Security Benefit. Security Benefit has been offering retirement programs to school districts across the U.S. for the past five decades. As an ASBO strategic partner and proud sponsor of the ASBO International's Emerging Leaders Scholarship Program, Security Benefit helps educators move toward their goal of financial security and the enjoyable life they deserve in retirement. To learn how simple it is to add Security Benefit to your district's benefit plan, visit securitybenefit.com ASBO. That's securitybenefit.com slash ASBO. Neither Security Benefit Corporation nor its affiliates are fiduciaries. This information is general in nature and intended for use for the general public. For additional information, including any specific advice or recommendations, please visit with your financial professional. Services are offered through Security Distributors, a subsidiary of Security Benefit Corporation. And now back to today's episode. So... It, it sounds like, uh, Keith and Pete, that, you know, you guys pretty much have had a lot of experience and with the organization, um, you know, and a lot of things you just stated, um, but perhaps you conduct many studies and annual surveys and, and not, you know, not necessarily just with schools, but just getting, gaining a sense of ed tech leaders uh, from all across the country. So, as someone who's new to learning about COSIN, um, what what's the why behind your research? Like, what what, what drives you behind certain research? Because um, there's so many topics we just got discussing as, you know. And secondly, what can you say regarding the latest? Because I look, we looked online, we saw that you had a, a student connectivity, a home connectivity study, and we've just been talking about how infrastructure and keeping things up, you know, and and, and devices replacing things like that. Um, just curious about those two things. Like, how do you gain that research? One, and then, you know, really more about the study you recently did. Sure. Uh, so our why, I think, is as a professional association, uh, we want uh, people in charge of technology to understand what their job is. And to be very honest, the career path uh, to become a, what we generically call a chief technology officer has a variety of paths. Um, about uh, half of them come with an education degree, as you just heard Pete was a science teacher. Um, but another 40% come into education with more of a technical background. And uh, probably another, you know, seven or 8% have more of a business background around data analytics and MBAs and things like that. So there isn't one career path to, to do that. And actually, the advantage of that is that uh, we, we need to understand the technology, but we also need to understand education. And ultimately, we need to be mm -hmm. a leader if we're going to sit at a cabinet level. So our why is Correct. making sure that um, you're not just the wires and boxes gal or guy. You're not mm -hmm. uh, just the instructional technology coach, but you have a strategic understanding of how teaching and learning can change and fit with the mission of the organization. Are you finding it challenging to, to find that perfect balance between the two? Because again, when I, when I was a tech director, I came to it from a purely technical side. And mm -hmm. my only experience with education was being a former student. So I wasn't really making <laughs> those connections right out of the gate. Well, I think that <laughs> it is challenging. And a lot of people are in the job not feeling confident on one side of the equation or the other. And that's why we started the CETL Certified Education Technology Leader a national program about eight, nine years ago. Uh, we now have uh, just under a thousand people who have achieved it. Uh, it's the, uh, it is um, uh, 
uh, you know, the, uh, the gold standard for right. uh, district uh, technology leaders, the only uh, uh, certified um, certification in that area. So, so I think we're, we're seeing a lot of movement as people understand it is a career path and uh, showing to uh, superintendents and their peers that there is a, that there is a credential that makes a difference. And you asked about um, kind of our research, both our surveys and some of the new research we're doing. So we've done a national survey for the last 10 years looking at, you know, what are the priorities of, of uh, technology leaders? And, you know, the headline, not surprisingly, is that uh, the last five years, cybersecurity has been the top issue, closely followed by privacy of student data. Um, the interesting thing this year, because it was our 10th year, we looked at, has, have things changed? And in fact, all of the things that were number one, two, three, four, and five back 10 years ago, mobile learning was the number one uh, concern. Number two was bring your own device. Um, these are issues that were critical right at the time, but uh, the landscape changes. And so we tried to make sure that the things that COSIN is doing relate to the highest priorities uh, of technology leaders. And then your last question is about some of the new, I think, kind of breakthrough research we've been doing on digital equity. You know, you see a lot of survey work, but what we wanted to know right at the height of remote learning was what was the experience of students? And what we learned was that with using student information systems and filtering systems, we could actually see what the experience was of students, whether they were able to connect, whether they were uh, knocked off or had a bad experience. And, and of course, at the, when students were at home trying to connect with their inexpensive, likely Chromebooks or whatever, uh, there were a lot of problems. It wasn't just, do you have a device, do you have connectivity, but it mattered that you had a device that had the capability of doing yes. uh, uh, distance education. It, it mattered a mm -hmm. lot of other things, too. The, the, you know, the, the FCC says that a highly connected house was one that had 25 megabits down, but uh, three megabits up. I'm not a technical person, but three megabits up is fine if you're watching Netflix, but it isn't <laughs> fine if you're having a conversation. And that was particularly mm. challenging as we had, you know, mom, dad, uh, several students at home, and it just didn't work. So that last year we did, uh, we, we wanted to know, okay, students are basically back at school. Uh, does it even matter that we connect kids at home? And again, we found shocking, I think, information that more connection happens uh, from home, from outside of school than at school. And uh, so, and uh, when you look by uh, poverty level, by uh, uh, low income, black, Hispanic mm -hmm. families, those are the most unconnected. But it wasn't just mm -hmm. that. Actually, as you get into high school, uh, a third of high school students are underconnected. So, um, wow. And then this year, what we just released two weeks ago, uh, which I think is totally breakthrough and something that business officials will love is a new digital equity dashboard. We've taken a publicly available data, things like from the Census Department, from the uh, uh, American Home uh, uh, Study, the, from the uh, uh, upload and download connectivity, and 
you're able to, um, and, and we've aligned it to school districts. So all this information, you know, if you had a, a huge research team, you could easily do this. Most school districts don't. And most of the data isn't aligned to school district boundaries, so that now is. And you can compare wow. with other districts like you, and there are about 35 mm -hmm. different indicators. You can look at where there are food deserts. You can look wow. at... Wow. Yeah, so well, we, thank you for that. That is huge. We've, we've <laughs> called us. it the digital equity dashboard, but to be very honest, you can drop the word digital. It's, there's a zillion different uses for this toolkit that I think okay. business officials will love. And and where can people find that dashboard? Uh, it's on the COSIN website. Uh, go to COSIN, C-O-S-N dot O-R-G slash digital equity. Um, and I believe we have a short URL of uh, slash digital equity dashboard. Great. Mm. Great. That sounds really promising. And thank you for aggregating all that data. I know that'll be yes, really helpful. Um, so changing gears a little bit. COSIN covers a wide variety of topics from cybersecurity to digital innovation. Um, and, you know, some of the topics we've already hit on, but in your estimation, what is kind of the front burner issue in educational technology? And what do you kind of see as the near and long-term future uh, of this space? Well, I think if you look at our survey and, and you look at the front page news, uh, cybersecurity is just a tremendous problem and has been for several years, but uh, getting bigger and bigger every year. Uh, we're finding CISA, which is part of Homeland Security, has indicated that uh, K-12 is the most targeted uh, sector uh, for ransomware. And uh, I think uh, helping uh, the public, helping parents, helping school boards, understand what's at risk because a lot of uh, a lot of folks would say well you know what, what do school districts have that's valuable they have some grades who cares if kids act that that's not the case it seems it, like it right yeah it, but it, it's but logic that's not the case that school districts have um uh well first of all they're often the largest employer so they have social security numbers and payroll information uh they mm -hmm. also have student birth dates Sometimes they have social security numbers. Those are extremely valuable for cyber criminals uh, because, you, you know, if you can get a, a student at, when they're in 10th grade or 8th grade and wait until they turn 18, you can apply for their credit cards. And oh, you wow. Can, yeah. And then um, and we're seeing that happen. Uh, and, and then, of course, just the reputational thing. School districts, uh, you know, are, if it's the start of school, you know, are you going to pay the ransom in order to get your data back or get back up online? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, what's the old, uh, why do bank robbers bank, uh, rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Well, they found that school <laughs> districts uh, have... Uh, are that's willing, where the money is. Have, that's where the money is. <laughs> so to speak. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of personally identifiable information is housed within school right. districts. So it, yeah. it, a very uh, troublesome target, I would, I would assume. And so we've, we've made tremendous progress, as you've all alluded to, with, uh, with the E-Rate program. It's connected uh, schools uh, and libraries mm -hmm. around the country uh, with, with fast connections, with Wi-Fi. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, E-Rate has been very slow in covering, really they don't cover anything uh, mm -hmm. under E-Rate for cybersecurity. So... And uh, we would okay. like to say that connectivity without security is not very useful. So 
So, Keith, not to cut you off here, you know, last week, the FCC chairwoman, um, Jessica Rosenworcel, uh, she unveiled a proposal, right, for a new pilot program. It's allotting up to $200 million over three years for schools and libraries, really, to meet their cybersecurity needs. Um, exactly. What, what, are you, well, what are your thoughts surrounding this? And I guess, how do you see this now playing out with schools? Since, you know, that you just mentioned E-rate, um, you know, is, is it going to be similar to, like, when there was a push, when there was Category 1 to Category 2? Well, first of all, we've been uh, encouraging the FCC, and in fact, it can't just be the E-rate, but, but certainly the E-rate is the biggest funding source for EdTech and has to do its part. Uh, so we're uh, pleased this is really an important first step to uh, expand uh, E-rate to address this <laughs> five-alarm fire. And um, it is a pilot, and it... We are excited about it, but they will have. Mm -hmm. We are waiting to figure out the details of it. It's pretty uh, limited in the sense that two, it's two hundred million over. She proposed over the next three years. We hope it's shorter than that. If you're simply doing a pilot to demonstrate, we actually think the, mm -hmm. the public record is quite clear already, and that we could just go and fix the program. But uh, okay. they want to do a pilot and. She said three years. I, I certainly hope that we're not waiting three years before we fix the permanent program. Uh, but this yeah. is a, a good a first time. step. And I would add um, one of the reasons that schools are being targeted is because we are uh, the weak kid on the block. Um, the banks have you know, teams of professionals uh, with certifications and truckloads of hardware and knowledge to protect the dollars, um, so do big business and so school districts who have money because we have large payrolls um, are kind of being targeted because they are um, the easiest, lowest paying fruit. So this is important, uh, you know, these dollars as well as, you know, school districts allocating the appropriate dollars for cybersecurity are really critical for us kind of getting off the, the low hang fruit list um, for cyber criminals. Yeah. Yeah, def definitely. And hardening the targets, these cybersecurity wise, is super important. And, bus and business officials, you know, know the importance of insurance. And uh, we're seeing that the market is really changing because uh, uh, K 12 has been so hard hit with cybersecurity. The rates are, are going dramatically up, anywhere from 30 to 300%, we're seeing in some cases. Uh, and the requirements to keep insurance are getting more and more difficult. More and more stringent. You have to have multi-factor authentication. That means, you know, you're going to have to figure out how a second grader can do multi-factor authentication. I was going to say there's a there's a there's a direct correlation between security and making things harder to use. Are you are you seeing that more districts are implementing two-factor authentication? Definitely, or? definitely. And and there are uh, it, we saw that that was the big up in one year from last year to this year's cert national survey. 20% more districts that went uh, indicated they're uh, doing multi-factor authentication. Wow. Yeah, if, if you would have told me six, seven years ago that second graders, elementary school kids would be having to worry about 2FA, which I wouldn't have believed you, but I guess the landscape has certainly changed and is ever-evolving. But speaking of which, it wouldn't be a recent episode of SBO Perspectives if we didn't talk about artificial intelligence. You know, we were talking offline before we started recording that it's just something that we've been talking about pretty frequently on our podcast because it just hits so many different facets of our work. So 
Can you give us your spin on AI and its influence in the workplace right now, specifically with educational technology? And what do you kind of see as some of the biggest challenges and also biggest opportunities in the near future? Yeah, well, actually, interestingly, I I think there's even a connection between artificial intelligence and um, AI. Uh, I was just in a session with Homeland Security and the FBI, and they were out of Los Angeles, Mm. and they were reporting that a lot of criminals, cyber criminals, are now using uh, AI to construct social, (laughs) um, you know, phishing and other types of programs against school districts as well as others. Um, So kind of an interesting crossover. But in general, I would talk about generative artificial intelligence and how it's impacting schools and classrooms. Uh, I think it's significant. Um, I think this summer, many school district leaders have convened together to um, realize the importance of it. Um, Initially, the knee-jerk reaction was we need to ban it and keep it out of our schools. But, of course, that's impossible because everyone has home connectivity. Many, or not everyone, many have home connectivity. Many have cellular connectivity. And so um, you're not going to keep it out except for on your network. Um, And yet there's also personal uh, personal identifiable information concerns because very few of these tools right now are created for K-12. They're generalized tools. And if you look at terms of use, um, you know, they're not shy to say that they do take PII. Uh, so whether you should allow students or not is a question that's ongoing and needs to be addressed, I think, with custom solutions for K-12, which are, you know, in the pipes uh, that they're working on that. But I think for staff, um, that's, the, that's the easy approach um, is for administrative and uh, classroom staff teachers. Uh, there's so many great ways to leverage artificial intelligence and Really, I think the biggest advantage there is perhaps lowering administrative um, you know, hours by letting the AI do some of the work for you. And as you develop your lesson plans um, and other things, uh, you leverage that. Well, I say my, my personal experience with AI lately, I've been trialing some different programs to actually take meeting notes on Zoom yep. and Teams meetings. And I have to say it's, I can really see the benefit already because not only is it transcribing everything, but it's summarizing it in very easy to consume terms. So I can share those notes out with everybody in the meeting and can actually focus on what's being discussed and not trying to scribble everything down. So for me on the business end of things, I see a lot of promise. Um, But on the other side, I just recently got spam called and there was a a voice (laughs) on the other end that sounded very human, but there was still a little <laughs> bit of that uncanny valley. So I knew it wasn't actually, yeah. you know, somebody, yeah. but it's getting more sophisticated as time goes on. So it is, it is exciting, but also a little worrisome too. Yeah, it's scary too. Yeah. When you think about things like the school schedule, I mean, even <laughs> it, it, the more we, you know, build into like student information systems, artificial intelligence to kind of predict what a schedule that might work. And then that doesn't mean that that's the final thing, but as a first draft, that could be a game changer. Yeah, I think your point is good. I think that that's what AI is really great at right now is first draft. I don't know that I would go with a lesson plan or a letter or an email response that's the first draft of the AI, but the first draft Mm -hmm. gets 90% of it done, and then we can step in and customize it, uh, make it our own voice. And um, that's really, I think, where the power lies, as well as, um, you know, if you've got a large document like John, your you know transcription, 
if uh, I wasn't there either, I could just use a, use an AI tool and say, hey, was this discussed? And who said yeah. mm-hmm. anything about it? You know, so kind of the that mm-hmm. that's, I think, where the power is right now for administrative use. And time. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to save a lot of time. Like you yep. said, to take 90% of the time you would have spent to be now brought up to speed at a much faster clip, it's going to be immense you know, as far as helping you in the office. So that's great. Um, you know, I, I did want to ask you guys, you know, we're getting cl- pretty much to close here. Um, but I did want to, you know, talk about your, your website because we talked about um, the uh, digital dashboard earlier. And it's really interesting, you know, you guys have a podcast. Uh, you have social media reports, news publications, and and a blog. I mean, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> um, but just so our listeners can know, um, where can folks get the best up-to-date info? Well, there's, you're right. The, the, the website is a great place, and there's a lot in the public uh, sector, in the public space. But there's even more, obviously, if you're a member, and uh, member community and, and me- member alerts. So I would encourage every school district to be a member and we're not individually based. So once your district is a member, all of your team, so including the technology, but the the business office and, and your, you know, if you have interested board members or uh, people on the curriculum Mm -hmm. side and the way we, the way we do all, uh, do all those things is because we have dedicated uh, members and volunteers who, who uh, uh, say, you know, you should do something on this topic. And we're like, okay, help us. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so as we wind down here, uh, we always offer our guests an opportunity to part with some words of advice to our listeners. So I guess, Keith, starting with you, if you're sitting across the table from a business official who's been in the seat their entire career or someone who's just starting out and trying to figure out where to go with technology, what kind of piece of advice can you offer today? I think the, the, place I would start is uh, Tosin, along with ASBO, created a toolkit uh, on how that relationship between technology and finance and business needs to fit together. And so uh, I, would, uh, uh, I would look at that. And that's available for free. Uh, and uh, I know that ASBO has a direct URL. I would say uh, my little bit of advice would be in regard to artificial intelligence, and that is I try to use it five times a day. Um, the, you don't mm. understand it if you don't use it. And I think what you'll find if, if you set a goal of using it five times a day, you will find ways to lighten up your schedule uh, and kind of leverage it as a tool to help you. And that will give you ideas about how it could be used in the district. Great, great. Well, Keith, Pete, thank you both for, for your time today. This is really enlightening and we've gotten awesome. a lot of out of the conversation and I'll definitely be checking out uh, how COSIN can help uh, with our district as well. Great. Have a great day. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Keith and Pete at COSIN. Really informative, a lot, a lot yeah, of information, we, <laughs> a lot to consider. We warned you. I mean, well, right. we warned you in a good way. Um, you know, I think, John, the biggest piece of this is understanding that relationship, right? Yeah. The importance of tech. Like like you said, you, you know, with the HVAC system, you know, you don't just go out and you know, just get equipment and build it up and then forget about it, you know, or, or the school bus, right? You don't yeah, buy you a bus, it. Yeah, you know, so that's important. And I mean, if you have to do bonds, you but you have to have a strategy or plan in place because devices, as you said, will become obsolete, one. And also the systems, you're going to have to con- constantly, you know, continue to maintain and upgrade that. And I guess 
understanding that having this organization and also working with ASBO, so we have a better right. understanding, right? And it talked about the digital dashboard. That's great. So I'm looking forward to that and also obviously using more AI. So I think there's so many things from this podcast. We hope that, you know, you all get a lot out of it and enjoy it. Yeah, and that four-year life cycle that Pete had mentioned really kind of caught me off guard oh, yeah, because just yeah. as soon as you think you're settled, you're looking at replacing them all Forget over it. again. So that's going to be a huge challenge for school districts yeah. now that the federal money is drying up. So a lot to think about, a lot to consider. Yeah, awareness, awareness. is really At least important. we're not like catching it blind, you know, and those who right. listen to this will know, hey, let's start talking and moving, you know, sooner than rather than later. Yeah, so those of you who have been listening obviously know that there's a lot of valuable information here, so make sure to share it out with your friends and colleagues so this kind of pertinent information is, you know, consumed at a broader level because we want to make sure that all of us are on the forefront of what's changing. And I think having listened to this conversation today, the value of knowing what's ahead is is really important. But at any rate, we appreciate all of you for tuning in again, and we'll see you next week.